by these very graphic examples given in the Old Testament, we see God's reaction to sin. We see how he hates sin. We see the truth about God. In churches today, there is another form of God set up so often which portrays God very much like a grandfather image who just approves the child no matter what he does and he pats him on the back and says, that's fine. That is not God. The real God, there is a terror of the Lord and Paul says that in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and warns us in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, starting at verse 9, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, accepted of God, doing that which is right in the sight of God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, says Paul. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul explains to us that all of these things of the Old Testament are examples for us in the New Testament that we would not sin against God. Also, that we would have a proper fear of God, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. So when you're seeking the praise of men and want that praise, remember that it's God's praise that endures forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because by the fear of the Lord, we have a deep understanding, knowing that what God says is the thing that we must follow for it will work out best for us. Not only does it accomplish the purpose of God on this earth, but it's the only thing that we can choose that will be best for us. There is no other choice. These Old Testament examples are very helpful to us in understanding the fear of the Lord, in developing a proper respect for the Word of God. And Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all did eat the same spiritual meat and all did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock 
that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as did some of them committed, and fell in one day twenty-three thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Concerning tempting Christ, how do we do that? With arrogance? I've heard church people say during the coronavirus, nothing will happen to me. It's not that they turned to God for his protection. They just had a type of arrogance in the church. One of my relatives, a Baptist, would come visit my mother, and she left her car unlocked and her purse sitting in the front seat of the car. And my mother told her, you shouldn't do that. She said, oh, God will take care of it. One day she came out, and her purse had been stolen. We don't tempt Christ. The devil tempted Christ by saying, step off the top of this pinnacle. The angels will protect you. And Jesus answered him with a scripture. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye. Murmuring is sort of like a continual complaining under your breath. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Through disobedience, as great a man as Solomon was, in the wisdom given him by God, Solomon disobeyed that which God had told him. For God warned him about these strange women, and he told him that in the end these strange women would pull his heart away from God. And that's exactly what happened. God warned Solomon twice, but Solomon would not heed the warning. I met a woman once who told me the story of her daughter, teenage daughter. There was a teenaged 
young man in their church group, and he left the church group, and the daughter went out to pursue him to bring him back to church. And the mother was so proud of what her daughter was doing. But I saw something totally different. And I said to the mother, she will not bring the young man back to the church. He will take her away from the church. And the mother said, oh, you don't know my daughter. You don't know how much faith my daughter has. You don't know how strong my daughter is. But I know the Bible. 1 Kings 12, God has told Solomon that he is going to divide the kingdom and take the kingdom away from him. But he says, for David's sake, I will leave one tribe of the children of Israel with your son, but I'm going to remove all the other tribes. So God has set this up, and we now see in 2 Kings 12, how God brought this to pass. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, went to Shechem, for all Israel had come there to make him king. And it came to pass, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. And you may remember that before he went down to Egypt, God sent a prophet to tell Jeroboam that he would give ten tribes of Israel to him and he would be king over them. So Jeroboam has this information. In fact, because of that, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. Just as Saul tried to kill David, because God stripped the kingdom from Saul and gave the kingdom to David. And it's the same situation. God is going to give one tribe of the children of Israel to Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, will be given the tribe of Judah. But all the other tribes of Israel are going to follow Jeroboam because that was God's will. And God's will is done on this earth, though man often tries to stop it from being done. So all the tribes of Israel, including Jeroboam, have come to Rehoboam to make Rehoboam king. And they said to Rehoboam, verse 4, Thy father Solomon made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he hath put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he, Rehoboam, said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. During this time Rehoboam seeks counsel. He consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, How do you advise that I answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant 
unto the people this day, and will serve them and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, his companions, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter? And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that speak unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt ye say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loin. Such pride, such arrogance. And now, whereas my father laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. God had said there would be a division, a divided kingdom, and there will be a divided kingdom, and here is the way God brought that about. 1 Kings 12, 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him. And he spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. I'm tougher than my father Solomon, he's saying. I'm even stronger than Solomon. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah, the Shilonite unto Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Because this prophet, Ahijah, met Jeroboam and told him that God would give him ten tribes of the children of Israel, and he would be king over them. So when all of Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David. You're the children of David, but we're not. Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. So the son of Solomon has one portion of the tribes of Israel. Ten of the tribes of Israel follow Jeroboam. Rehoboam has one portion. Jeroboam has ten portions.
Verse 18, Then the king Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Now this frightened Rehoboam. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of his kingdom of Judah. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Even when Jesus came the first time in the form of a man, they thought he would restore at that time the kingdom and make it into one tribe of Israel, make the 12 tribes into one tribe. And that's what they expected Jesus to do while he was on the earth. But he was crucified and taken into heaven, and it was not his plan at all to restore the kingdom at that time. So the kingdom of Israel continues, even to this day, divided. Judah versus Israel. If only Rehoboam had followed the counsel of the old men, but you see it was not the will of God, for he had already prophesied to the prophet this divided kingdom, and he had already named Jeroboam as one of the kings of the divided kingdom. So it wasn't going to happen. The will of God will be done on this earth in spite of men. They cannot change the will of God. It's ordained. So you can relax knowing that God's will is what is going to be done in these issues. In all things, God will work the issues of this life so that his own will and purpose will come to pass. Romans 8.28 speaks to us as individuals. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In 1980, January 10th, what I believe to have been an angel of the Lord spoke to me while I was asleep in the night. It was like a trumpet blowing in my ear. Three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed, wrote KWJS on a notepad beside my bed because I didn't want to get those letters mixed up. I felt they were call letters to either radio or television. I found it to be a radio station, and I said to God, are you showing me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And I heard call the radio station manager, which I did that same morning. I told him, I said, God might be telling me to go on radio. How would you do that? He said, make an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long, and send it to me. If you fit our programming, we will offer you a contract. So I made an audition tape that same morning, put it in the mail. Within five days, I was broadcasting exhortations to the church on radio station KWJS. From there, within a few weeks, I 
was also on radio in Oklahoma City, and then I was on radio in Houston, and it spread out from there. And I ended up within a year being on radio from, remember the words of the angel? Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. Well, I was on radio from a powerful station in the New York City area, which reached Hartford. And I was on radio from stations all the way across the United States to Seattle. And I heard a word from the Lord in 1982. Now the foundation is laid. Now we're really going to move. I was speaking at a little church in Hobbs, New Mexico, and as I was on a plane en route to Dallas, where I lived, I kept hearing the following words in my mind from the Holy Spirit. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I heard this all the way back to Dallas. I didn't know what it meant. I knew it was a scripture, but I did not know what it meant. A few days after this, God reminded me of some things that had happened with various big-time ministers and how these were sins. I didn't recognize they were sins when they happened, when I heard about it. But God opened my eyes to see these were sins. By that time, I had between usually 700 to 2,000 people attending the meetings that I had across the United States. Because after I went on radio, I would go into the cities and have meetings for the radio audience, maybe a three-day meeting at the end of the week for the radio audience. So I had fairly large numbers of people coming to my meetings. After hearing the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, God gave me other messages. And these were messages directly for those ministers who had been doing various sins. I couldn't get a message to the minister in private, even though I was fairly well known at that time. So God showed me, just speak the message on your radio broadcast. When I spoke the message on the radio broadcast, there were people in the audience, the radio audience, who took the message to these ministers, so they got the message then. But the hate mail came in bunches, hating me for speaking the message. A radio station manager in Seattle said to me, Joan, you have many good messages. Just speak those messages. But if you keep speaking these judgment messages on radio, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We might have to put you off the air. And the Holy Spirit rose up in me and I said, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. That defined it all. There are times God will allow things to happen to us that seem bad. 
but are really good because God got rid of a lot of people, hangers-on, that weren't really of him and separated them from me because they hated the judgment message showing that their minister had done something wrong and they left me. It was hard to go through and my immaturity made it harder. But now looking back on it, I thank God that he separated these people from me because they weren't the people of God. They had put themselves into the church without having his spirit. So all things work together for good for us who belong to him, who are the called of God. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.